Welcome to A Regenerative Future with Matt Powers. I'm your host, Matt Powers, and today we'll be talking to Opaline Lisiak of the Les Agronomes, um, which is a program, a traveling agroecology program. It's a school where people are actually traveling all over the world to learn, and some of them are localized, some of them involve travel and in, in immersion in other cultures, uh, learning from all sorts of people. And it's really powerful, it's really incredible. And if you want to learn more about the program, you want to learn how you can create your own, um, It's it, you get an inside view of Opaline planning it as she interviews me on some advice that I could give her and I kind of interview her a little bit on what she's doing. Opaline also is a fan of the Unstoppable Enthusiasm book that I wrote last year and we talk about that in depth. And I hope that if you haven't picked that book up that you do because the benefits that she experiences, the benefits that I've experienced, are something that you can too experience. All right, thanks, enjoy. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I really wanted to, to, to say thank you to you because um, I, I really think the last year of my life improved a lot thanks to, to, to your, your work. Yeah, really. Uh, the, the first... Um, the first podcast I, I listened of um, um, a regenerative future. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I really have a French accent. It's, it's uh, and I will never lose it. I think. It's not a problem. <laughs> I was taught by a Quebecois, though, so my accent's all crazy. So it's all good. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this podcast, it was you interviewing uh, Charles Eisenstein. Mm. And it was so mind-blowing for me to, to listen to this. Like, I, I thought you were more, more like a mindfulness teacher, not a permaculture uh, teacher, you know. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and then I looked and I discovered that you were more permaculture teachers and mindfulness, but I think it's a very balanced mix. And, uh, and then I, I discovered your work and then I, I ordered this book that is already uh, always, always on my, on my, near my bed, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and every, every, every morning I wake up and I, and I really follow the, you know, the thank you for, and, and um, it's it's incredibly powerful. Mm. So thank you. I'm so glad it's helped you too. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's and so wonderful. And something else is that I ordered the high performance high performance planner also because of you. You know. <laughs> Mine. I have the red one right now. Yeah. Yeah. The same team. I love it. So it's, it's really nice. Uh, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I feel like the mindfulness component is like the missing ingredient in everything that we're trying to accomplish. I think that um, many of us came from environmentalist kind of stances. And then we have chosen more holistic like Charles Eisenstein's perspective where 
It's care. Permaculture is about care. I mean, it's earth care, people care, future care. It's, it's that compassion that only arrives when you're truly seeing another person, which only arrives when you've really accepted yourself and done that personal work so that you can provide that, that honest care. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so for me, I realized that that's what I needed to do. And as you've read Unstoppable Enthusiasm, I've, I've really had to like push into it to, to transform the challenges in my life into things that would make me stronger, which is what we all, I, I believe, want um, out of the difficulties that we face because everyone's going to face difficulty and we don't like difficulty or tragedy or hardship or sorrow or pain or loss, but we're all going to have to deal with it. And if we can deal with it in a way that makes us stronger, maybe like stoicism, if, that, if, if that's a, you know, some people latch onto that. But for me, it's about care and compassion. And it's that what makes us feel truly alive. And when we, when we get connected to that, it really carries through everything that we do. Yeah. And, uh, and when, when, um, when I when I hear you or when I see your your smile your laugh it's 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 um, it's it's crazy to read what what you like what which events you had in your life and what you what you had to overcome and um, it's 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 just a, the evidence that um, enthusiasm saved you. Yeah. Right. In fact, we edited out the whole first part of that book because it was like <laughs> a little too brutal. Um, and, but like enthusiasm is what got me through my childhood. Um, and <clears throat> all those people from my childhood are still around. So that's why I haven't really shared those stories. Um, because we're all on our own paths. We all inherit a lot of the the pain and suffering and reactions. I think we inherit a lot of our reactions. Um, it, if epigenetically we, we see trauma lasting three to 14 generations, depending on which study you're talking about, then we inherit these reactions to bad things, to specific triggers um, like, for instance, if you are the the son of someone who was abandoned as a child, you're gonna, you might like likely feel abandonment issues regardless as if, if your parents gave you a lot of love and attention when those crises happen. So it's like, oh, I'm alone. Wow, I feel really alone. Those kind of things um, we inherit. And so I really believe that the meditation component and 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 the prayers part of the the meditation is 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 so critical. That intentional part. Um, some people get caught up in the word prayer, but that's casting your intention. That's 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 putting an intention out into the world. And I think that when you do those two things in a way that that focuses on what you want to feel, how you want to be. Um, <laughs> 
they they transform and they they can they you you see them at a distance and you're like oh wow that's a thought i'm having or that's a feeling i'm having and you're like wow i've had this feeling in this situation more than once and you begin to distance yourself from reaction and be able to choose how you react and for me growing up in a family with four boys uh we're like fighting and being physical and aggressive and angry was like the modality. Um, and I was the young, I was the youngest for a while until I was like seven. Um, I didn't have any power in, in, in my life. And I had to just conform, behave and all this stuff. And many of us are like, many of us had, you know, childhoods like that. I was able to, and my wife and I actually talk about this a lot. My wife edited that book. I was able to find my enthusiasm and guard it. And part of that was it was so private. I did things, I wrote things, I wrote songs and poetry as a child, and I kept them private. I did not let them see them because they would have attacked that, and that was my personal world. And so that kind of distancing creation, I think, is a, is a, is a missing piece in maybe some of my communications on this. I think creating, it, you see that as you, you know what I mean? When we build a garden, when we work with people, when we create things, we see the recognition of our work and we find like the, the confidence and the competency, right? Of doing that on a consistent, uh, consistent uh, feedback loop with ourselves, which is integrity. And when we have integrity, what people say to us, doesn't hurt as bad. Even if they're our parents or our siblings or our teachers, when we have integrity, when we're doing the things, you know, you're waking up in the morning and you're saying to yourself, this is my day, I will make it great. You know, you're visualizing yourself as I am unstoppable. I am enthusiasm. Yeah, these are mine. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've got them right there every day because doing that hard work that reinforces who I am, whether you're creating a moment and a feeling in your body or, or strength in your body or strength in your mind, you are constantly creating yourself, the self that you are in alignment with that makes you feel proud of who you are. And I think that was, that was, that was one of the factors that um, really guided me through my childhood. Wow, <laughs> it's it's uh, it it completes um, things that I already knew about creativity, hmm. and uh, and and it's really empowering to to create something on your own, and and that's why I'm I'm creating a, a traveling agroecology school, and where students will be completely in charge of their project that they, they create their own projects instead of eating the knowledge people give us, mm. give them. That's so powerful. I don't know if you know about my son. My son, we unschooled him. And we do some traditional schooling because we've had to do law stuff, right? We've got to deal with the law. So you got to do certain things. 
but how you do it is really up to us. And so unschooling makes it so that it's very hard to do all that, but it's just extra work on the parent. And it's easier on the kid because they follow their passion and they follow what they're, you give them one-on-one -on -one teaching, you give them expert teaching, um, you, you give them access to an environment that's enriching and challenging. So James from a very young age has always had instruments, but I've created it around him so that the instruments are easy to play. So the guitars were always in open tuning. He'd play it and it was a D chord. So as a, as a baby, as like a six month old, there's a picture of him. He's got his uh, pacifier in his mouth and he's strumming the guitar. Sounded great then. And he just kept playing and we never, I was always scared because there's so many people in the music industry that burn out. So many people that, you know, sell their music and their soul goes along with it. And I've, I've lost friends, a lot of friends. And I really wanted this to be this pure all him thing. And so I didn't teach him. I didn't press him. I didn't do anything but jam with him and say, yeah, music's easy. Music's fun. Music is language. And he is fluent. He, he loves it. He's got this deep passion, but it's because it wasn't forced. He owns it entirely. And he's just, he, there's no way you could stop him now. His, because the, the dynamo comes from within. The enthusiasm is guiding him. His enthusiasm is, is, is pushing him. And because of that, my job switched from being, you know, a, a teacher and a guide to a facilitator and an advisor on his path because it's his life, his journey. We don't, and most parents figure this out if they spend any time with their children at all, that we aren't given copies of ourselves. We're given these amazingly unique beings and it's our privilege to steward them and help them become who they are, not our preconception. And so I'm all about empowerment. I'm all about, I want you to decide it to come from you um, because from that place, there's all that strength. There's, there's unending power and like energy. And, and, and I really believe that's what happens when we create, when we, when we, create in a way that we have autonomy that we're not overly directed and and uh, micromanaged and that's I, I've tried to always bring that into education I've tried to teach teachers about how not having homework actually improves scores if you do authentic teaching in the classroom that's the <laughs> that's the trade-off there you got to actually be a good teacher you got to actually um, be fluent in your subject because if you're fluent in your subject then you can authentically teach it <clears throat> and so I really believe that if, if we give children and adults the autonomy and the, their actual reins so that they can drive, we will always get farther, get deeper, deeper commitment, um, more loyalty, more trust. Like that's, this is the place of trust. You want your children to trust you. You want other people to trust you. Give them power over themselves and the world around them. And they will trust you more. They will, will, they, they will naturally understand that you care about them 
and they will naturally reciprocate that care because you'll see it comes from a genuine place. It's, it's human. It's, it's very, very core to who we are. Despite the fact that education system doesn't represent that, the crazy thing is I got my master's degree in education and then they told us all this. And I was like, you guys are kidding me, right? It's like, we're doing the opposite of what you're teaching at graduate school in as best practices psychologically for education in schools. And it's like, oh yeah, well, this is information for graduate school people. That's why you get paid more. And I'm like, or, or you know, that's why you pay more for it. And I'm like, but this is information of metacognition. This is how you learn and how you teach yourself to learn. And so I started teaching it to kids. Um, and I try to imp imply all those kind of, you know, best practices in education in everything I do. That's why I try to get people to ask questions because heuristic learning is entirely different from Socratic. Everyone's like, no, the teacher should ask questions that stimulate the students. It's like, actually, no, everyone already has a question in their mind and heart. And you just need to let them get connected with that. And you're off. They're humans. They have a natural drive, curiosity, and passion in this life already. They don't need to be molded and shaped and like, that's crazy. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm 100% behind your program. It is absolutely stupendous. So thank you so much. It's so inspiring. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking notes anymore because I really want to be uh, present. Uh, but I, I, I know it's you, you are recording, so I guess I, I will listen to this every time I'm sad, maybe. <laughs> because I really want to ask you some advice um, okay. about, about the program. Like if you had to create this school, what would you do? Something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's really a program for uh, 19 to 24 years old students who already have uh, agronomy or agriculture background, mm -hmm. but they don't have enough experience. They never put their hands in the soil because they never had the opportunity. Yeah. And they they want to to work with farmers to learn with farmers and uh they want to have an impact for the change you know yeah and um so it's it's a one-year program where where uh, basically we facilitate this the construction of the, this journey through through different farms where they have a specific research topic like regenerative grazing or agroforestry or how can we communicate better when we are farmers. Um, many, many topics that farmers need for the agroecology transition. Yeah. And during two months, they are together and we build a project. And we also, we help them build a project so that they, they can find sponsors who will, who will buy their project and they don't have to pay anything during their program and their trip because some of them will go very far, for instance. Mm. And, um, and after that, they leave for seven months and when they come back, they have two months to show that this traveling 
accelerate their learnings and uh, they already had an impact during their trip. But when they come back, they can have an impact in the territory, in the landscape where they are coming from. Because traveling makes you learn faster, right? Yeah. Actually, there's a lot to that. Traveling is a key to uh, expanding our minds. And this is something that people ask me, you know, like, my God, are they going to Australia? But they will, they will uh, pollute a lot. Mm. Can't you just make them stay in their own small region? Because there are so many farms to see here. Mm. What, what would you answer to that? Well, um, currently, right, uh, travel is, is something that has a lot of different factors uh, layered upon it. I think that um, right now for anyone who is concerned about travel, um, I think that the local option would be absolutely more attractive, right? Especially if they've got any kind of autoimmune immune problems um, because of the coronavirus um, and concerns around that. But what I would say is that I, I honestly always try to never fly. I've flown once in the past 15 years. Um, and so flying, there's hope that it will get better and that we will have, be able to bring cleaner and uh, have more ethical travel. Um, and that's what Virgin Airlines is working on. They have the biodiesel um, jet is the first example. So um, that side of it um, where it is a, a carbon impact is very real. Um, and I don't want to uh, downplay that because there are many people making that choice now to not fly. And for a long time, that's what I have done. Um, so I would say, and, I, and I've, I've been invited to farms and re places all over the world, and I, and I haven't gone um, because of, well, also because I need to be with my family. But if I was going to go and bring my family, that would be even crazier. You know what I mean? The cost alone is crazy. But the, the, the actual... Um, and it's not just carbon. I mean, there's a lot of things coming out of that um, jet fuel as it's burned. So, so I would I would always err on the side of of minimizing that. But um, in Europe, and uh, in Europe, there is a, a a long-standing tradition in certain areas of naturally farming, and there are agriculture uh, agroecology examples um, in Britain, right? Um, that, that's where the agroforestry.org association is based, I believe. And so there are a lot of, there's actually um, a lot of really old permaculture food forests in, in, in Europe too. Um, so yeah, I, I, would, I would give people the option. I'm always about um, options and menus. I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't ever want to force people to do things because if I force them to do things, they're going to be like, oh yeah, well I'm doing this because Matt said so. And it's like, eh, no, you do this because you feel it. Like you believe in your ethics that you don't do this or that you believe it's worthwhile to do this because you know this will be the result because your plan is to 
sequester all that or, or what have you. But um, I would always give them options and observe and see what people choose. Um, and, and maybe one of the things I do that scares people, <laughs> and at times scares me, um, is I'm really revealing. So I will share my, my thoughts before I decide. I'll share my decisions with people. And my audience, I don't know, I don't know if, 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 if any of them don't like it. They really respond and, and help and discuss and ex say exactly what they think at times, whether it's nice or not. Um, but, but it's honest, right? And so you get to see a lot of these things before you commit. And so that's what I, I highly recommend with, with all, almost all decisions that are like that, where you're like, hmm, opening it up to your audience, um, to the actual students um, and consumers um, would, would give them the ability to, to give the feedback you need to make the right choice, is what I would say. And sometimes we kind of know what that choice is, and, but the market like shows us so clearly that we're like, well, okay, all right. And it takes the emotionality out of it, the anxiety out of it, because it's just the way it is. I mean, look, 50% says this and 10% says that and 50, uh, you know, 40% has, uh, has no idea what we're even talking about. And it's like, okay, I got to do more education here. <laughs> so it's like, we have to, um, give people the option. So I would, I would, I would offer different options and different plans. And I would look as much as local as possible, especially because um, you'd open up the program to more people with less funds. And if you can get them sponsored, that's that, I mean, I don't know <laughs> how easy it is to sponsor certain things. I've tried to get certain th that things sponsored. I watch sponsorships here in the US. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. I'm not trying to be negative, but I, I noticed that the people that really need it are often so timid and they really need it. And so it's like the people who are more bold sometimes get more attention if it's a scholarship thing and they have to fundraise for themselves, you know? And so it's like those quieter people who sometimes make room for other people and minimize themselves for other people. Um, they're the people that are going to notice all the other people like that. They're the people that are going to be able to speak to everyone and reach those people in a way that doesn't, you know, doesn't like point them out, but does it in a way that raises all boats. And so I really believe that um, in our culture, in America at least, there's this tendency to um, pick the winners and then the, the instant winners. So it's like the, the math class, it's the person who's already good at math, that's the math, the good math student. And half the time they think like and act like the teacher or look like the teacher. And it's like, we need to break out of that. We need to think that, we need to realize that sometimes we take a little bit longer to incubate as, as people with certain skill sets. And I mean, Einstein didn't, didn't speak until he was like six, right? Or five. And then he, he like did awful in school and all this stuff. But it's like, yeah, 
He's a late bloomer. Late bloomers are some of like the most powerful people in our society because they needed more time because they were on a wider bandwidth. And I see this with my second son um, a, a lot. My first, my firstborn was like an adult, like years ago. It feels like he's um, talking about anything. He looks like he's eighteen. He's just thirteen. Um, but my my younger son is thinks so divergently, thinks so differently. But it's 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 taking its time. And he's in a different developmental stage and he'll take a long time thinking about something and he'll say something and you're like, what? And you like look at it and you're like, yeah, there is that pattern. How did you see that? And it's, it's that different brain type. It's that uh, we got to honor the edges, right? We got to draw on all, all those edges uh, socially as well, because it's in that diversity that we get that fluency. And that's a pretty good argument to circle back around to sending people to new places, to other cultures. Um, and Europe's really good for that too, because it's like you can hop on a train and go to a totally different culture pretty quickly. Um, and they're working on that bullet train from Berlin to Beijing, so um, it's high-speed rail. So the world is going to shrink. And with high-speed rail, it's going to be this minuscule carbon footprint in comparison. and you better believe taking a you know a high speed train uh, covering a few days going from Europe to to Asia and then being able to go down um, the, uh, the the islands down to Australia it's going to be cheaper and easier and be less less of a carbon footprint over the next few years absolutely so i don't want to say no to anything <laughs> that has benefit and power so um especially when we could come up with something very soon and suddenly someone could invent a new form of propulsion for planes. But like everything is constantly changing, it's constantly in flux. And if we stick to earth care, to people care, to future care, as we move through these things um, and, and keep those as our ethics and then keep that open dialogue with our audience, and our customers and, and the people around us, we will always be safe because we'll be living by our ethics, we'll be doing our best, we'll be transparent so everyone will see our intentions and people will be able to help us, people will be able to guide us and give us that feedback that we need. So um, long answer, but, um, but I, would, I would just kind of give options, be open and then look at the feedback and, and just go with what you think is right. Well. Thank you. It's it's. I'm so happy because it's it's exactly what I'm doing now. Excellent. I I I am prototyping with uh, one student, um, Pablo, and it's a little bit like a spy in the school because there is no, there is only one student now, and he's just uh, testing the coaching and facilitating I'm, I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And he's always giving feed feedback because this um, this project is was born from my own uh, traveling around the world. It was very polluting. That's why I'm going to plant uh, five thousand trees on my farm. <laughs> uh, 
um, it's it's not. I'm I'm joking because I I will plant it even if I didn't pollute by taking the plane. But um, a lot of students told me, oh, we we some of them told me we want to travel very far, and some of them told me, I I want to stay in France. It's it's okay. I I think I will meet people who completely mind blow uh, my thinking. I don't know if you can say that in English, but um, you can go next door and meet someone who will make you travel by the way is thinking different in a different way than you. So I, I really give them options, as you said, because some of them really want to go far. Like it's, they they want to have this experience when one moment in their life and if it's it's if it's for agroecology i say yes you know <laughs> because maybe it's it's this experience that that will make them uh, that will catalyze their learning and they will they will have a a powerful impact the best argument you know? yeah. we don't know yeah. But some of them want to stay in Bretagne, in, in this region where I live, and they will have a traveling journey in, in 15 farms, and it will be amazing. Yeah, so, it would be really powerful yeah. maybe to uh, get um, video journaling of their reactions from each place and then use that to advertise to other students and they know, that could be me, you know. Yeah. Yes. So the, the YouTube channel will be um, the YouTube channel I created will be uh, continued by the students. So it. it's it's uh, it's it's part of the toolbox at the beginning of the project of the program that students will open a big toolbox of tools like video, uh, podcasting. Mm, being very efficient on social networks, um, mindfulness, yoga, music, uh, painting, drawing, like we will have many interveners. It's not only about agroecology, you know, technically, I mean, in a technical aspect. Mm. It's really like a holistic school. Yeah, I love it. So it's it's really um, how how can being open and being creative can help you being the farmer facilitator of the transition in tomorrow. Hmm. It's amazing how many professional musicians I know that became permaculturists and farmers. And there's a, there's a direct connection. And I think that most people don't believe that. They're like, yeah, I'm a musician. I'm in New York City. Great on your plants, Matt. But I was too. And I remember going to my friend's house, Rachel Ray's husband, and being like, you got all these plants up here. What are you doing with these plants? Just like, what the heck? We're in the middle of New York. What are you doing with plants? And John was like, oh, John Kuzumano was all taking care of them. This is before they got married um, at his first house. They've got a huge garden now in an upstate area. But 
but like he was but i was i was that guy i was that guy that like really we're gonna be all eating pills in the future i was like thinking like elon musk i think a lot of that is from all the science fiction books that yeah, young boys read um and I, I had to like let go of all that. Um, and it was kind of effortless. I didn't even realize it, but to get to where I am now. And a huge part of it was just being in the garden, the slow distillation of change that happens in a garden setting is healing in a strange holistic way that that we don't see anywhere else. I mean, this is why we're having prisoners and students in, 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 in difficult uh, neighborhoods and, and circumstances do gardening because we see this, this light turn on in them, in their brains too, right? In their hearts. And that, that change that happens in the garden had to happen in me first for me really to arrive at these other places, I think. And so I really believe that the, 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 the gardening aspect, the, um, the agroecology aspect is facilitative, unlocking and freeing to a lot of other forms of expression. And you see things differently. I mean, as soon as you realize that you are breathing in the air, the wind passing through tree leaves as the sun hits it, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? And then, and then that is also the sugars that are in the maple syrup you're using. And like, like once you realize that, oh, that happens all at once. You're like, wait a second, sugars in the maple syrup and then the soil, like the black stuff in the soil, the reason the soil is black. And the air I'm breathing are all happening at the same time. And you're like looking out at the world and you're like, this is the craziest thing ever. Why don't we talk about this? And you, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? You get this like, whoa. And then, and, and then there's also like this deeper, no words kind of whoa, this reverence that arrives upon you after just spending some time in a garden. Maybe, maybe it's natural for you. Maybe it comes like when you're just getting into it, but maybe it takes a few years of working the same patch of ground, but there's this deep connection that you form that doesn't really have words. There's this meditative peace um, and stability that comes that no one could have convinced me of until I actually did it and felt it and lived it. And, and I feel like that's a huge component of all this, a huge X factor in this. Wow. And it's, it's really nice because um, um, I see so many people cri uh, criticizing the mm. fact that uh, people from the city with money from their previous job start farming mm. or uh, people start farming in a permaculture way and their income is not only from the products, it's also a lot from uh, teaching. Mm -hmm. And a lot of farmers in France are criticizing this. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You know that, that it's not your work tilling the soil that is making money. It's it's also a teaching and, uh, and and money from a previous job that you invest in farming. But today we have one. I think in France we have one farmer from 150 people. Mm. So all the creativity from farming is coming from no farmers, from people who are completely disconnected from the land and, and they are attracted by it. So it's, it's a, big, a big amount of creativity that we can put into farming now. I think the biggest difference and, and, with permaculture isn't about um, making a profit. It's about finding an ethical balance with the natural world around you. And those farmers are threatened because it's empowering people to passively grow food in the world around them. And it's not about making money. It's about making food abundant and just living with the highest quality of food. And at the same time, building the soil, preserving life, preserving the wildlife. And that kind of, that kind of um, ethical stance is so far removed from what farming has been that, that it's completely threatening because you're showing up, you're making more money than they do. You're, you're selling less product for a higher price that people are saying is way better. Um, and so they see all these people being able to just outcompete them. They don't have extra money from a job. They just start, they've been farmers their whole life, you know, cutting corners here and there just to get by, doing the monoculture thing here and spraying that with that just to get by. And when people show up and they do it without the chemicals, they, they do it with smiles on their faces, without like hazmat suits on, when, they, when they're doing this in a way that teaches other people and then has those other people go home and then start growing their own gardens, that's a direct threat to their model and way of life because the, the, they're like, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that. Humans are one function each. You know, it's, it's this crazy industrial hierarchical perspective that is broken and is not consistent with what humans are and humans have been throughout all time. That's why people like liberal arts educations. That's why people talk about people being Renaissance men or women. That's because we love our art. We love our music. We, we like stories. We like, you know, being physical. We, I mean, do you have to pick one? No, because there's nine forms of intelligence. And so honoring and respecting that, I think, is really critical. And people don't get taught that in school. They don't get that highlighted in their cultures, right? In America, we value logic, math logic specifically, and we value verbal ability. And then to a certain degree, we value um, athletic prowess. But that's it. That's all. all. Everything else gets pushed to the side. And so we've had this boiled down this compartmentalized system of kind of like desperation. And so those farmers, I mean, totally desperation for many farmers. 
and so they're 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 fighting the government they're they're fighting demand they're fighting their bills and their overhead and so when they see someone doing it with a smile it it, it can hurt them but that's nothing to do with us that's not our thing we're trying to bring care and we're showing care we're empowering people but to the people that have been holding on to that power and not using it and not managing it properly, not sharing it, not conversing about it laterally to get feedback on how to distribute and supply that kind of power, then, then they're going to feel like, oh, I'm not a part of this future. Um, and, and, and they aren't as they are, unless they switch to agroecology, unless they're switching to something regenerative, um, they don't have to become permaculture educators. Permaculture is generalism. And it's wonderful, holistic generalism that's regenerative, applied science that is, uh, allows us to demonstrate earth care, people care, and future care. Um, it's in the garden and the farm part of it is the best teaching tool for that. So, I mean, I used to think like that, be like, oh man, those permaculture teachers, they just, you know, teach and, and, and they don't, you know, sell, they're not real farmers. Like, yeah, but they're not, that, that's the whole point is they're not real farmers. They're actually teaching you how to be holistic. And it's, and it's a holistic perspective that the garden and farm demonstrate so clearly and readily that allows us to go there and learn these principles and these ethics. It's not that we're teaching farming or gardening and permaculture. It is everything to do with everything and it and, and because of that it touches upon those things so perfectly because it's the whole on that those things are inside and the power of that education i think is going to come not from necessarily them being able to do a home garden though that is very immensely powerful i mean to just be able to compost our own organic matter is like what 30 percent of the carbon emissions methane emissions and but it's really when these businesses, um, or the, these businesses start that apply permaculture outside of the garden, outside of the farm. And so these, these permaculture teaching farms are incubators of culture, not farmers and market gardeners. And I think that, and that's why agriculture is, is so powerful because it's, it's specific. It's like we're doing agriculture with the ecology in mind. And that's why it's permacultural. That's why you could teach permaculture with it. You could do all these things, but it is, it is very specific. And that's what the farmers need to adopt and need to take on board. Wow, it's uh, really, really inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. So I have a last question. Okay. And then I, 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 have, I have to go because uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit, I have some other things to do. Um, but what would you advise to this student from the traveling agroecology school uh, that is not from, from a farmer's family and is going to travel during eight months and meet real farmers? So what is the toolbox you would give them to have the best journey connecting with those farmers 
and having the best learnings with them? Um, I, I would, I, I would say that um, the number one thing is to have a journal. And you're probably at eight months, you're probably going to need four or five. And I don't mean like the skinny ones. I mean like this thing, you know, and maybe, maybe you're going to want one without lines. I like lines. Uh, maybe you have two and a sketchbook. Um, but you're going to want to write more than you've written your entire life. And specifically, the number one thing to do at the end of your day, before you go to sleep, write down all the things you're grateful for or excited about that happened that day. And you'll remember things that you wouldn't have remembered. You'll stay connected to your enthusiasm. It will give you energy and insight and you will be able to go through this journey with the best possible lenses on. You'll be able to see things that you might have missed if you don't do this. And why is this effective? Well, there's this thing that happens every night to all of us. Before we go to sleep, our brain takes a snapshot of our perspective and our mindset. And it's these glial cells. And, they, and, and, and so when you have a positive outlook on your day, you go to bed thinking about that, you wake up in the morning more likely to be back in that state. Now I say more likely because there's a few different factors here. If you go to bed stressed every day for weeks on end, that becomes a self-reinforcing actual pathway in your brain. And that becomes a habit and it becomes your, you know, your personality over time. And so that's why it's so critical that we do this every day before bed, because it's this trick our brain has that it takes a snapshot. Don't get in arguments before bed. Don't go to bed angry, you know, resolve those things, talk it out, stay up later if you got to. Um, but, but make sure that you go to bed with gratitude on your mind and excitement, especially in this journey, tied to what you're learning. And when you bring enthusiasm to learning, it goes into a completely different category in your brain, like completely different. Like there's gears, right? And there's this like fifth gear that you reserve only for things that you're very enthusiastic about. And once you shift into that gear, you become unstoppable. And so, and so that's my advice to you is to focus on the things that make you enthusiastic, that tie in with the learning process every single night before you go to bed and bring enough journals so that you can keep all of it written down and all of it dated and everything too, so you don't lose any of it. So I just want to, to show you that I have uh, this. I love it. The first one I made thanks to you. <laughs> the gratitude journal. It's your first one? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh, I am so, <laughs> so honored. Mm, so happy for you too. 
Yeah. So, so what would you say is the biggest difference between your life starting all these practices now compared to before? Yeah. Yeah, it's, and I just realized how my life is full of beautiful things now. Before, I was just noticing sometimes, oh, I'm happy now, you know? And I knew that I was happy, but now I can really say why. <laughs> and I'm enjoying more. And, and really, if you didn't advise me, about, advise students to have a journal, I would, I would already do it myself. I would tell all of them to have a gratitude journal. So you are, you are the best teacher. You see, you, you empowered me to do it for others. It's like, the, the, it's, it's like teaching, teaching you to fish or, or give you a fish, you know? <laughs> That's the only kind of teaching I ever want to do. It's perfect. You have the, the best name ever, Matt Power. You empower people. I try, I try. Mm, thank you. Well, I guess people are already told you this. <laughs> but it's funny. I, growing up, I was the, the, probably the last person that people would think that would be that. I just was running around ski racing and just in it to get my corner protected because I was just always afraid that it was going to be taken away from me. But now I know the truth. <laughs> the world is so abundant. Ugh. And we just have to open ourselves to it. And that is the protection. That is the, that's the, that's the trick of this life is that when we open our hearts and we are ultimately vulnerable, that's when we, we become powerful and that's when we become unstoppable. And it's that vulnerability, it's that being honest, it's that 100% being open and allowing all those feelings in and out and, 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 and seeing them honestly for what they are, that is where the true power comes. And also our true self-control. <laughs> so do you want to give a, a number two advice maybe? <laughs> Because the first one was really powerful. Maybe uh, more another one, maybe more related to to how to behave with a real farmer. Mm. How to connect to someone else. Oh well, yeah. So I kind of have general. Um, I think about people in very general ways, and it really allows me to interact with everyone. And I'm very comfortable, you know, talking to people like Rachel Ray or like Oprah or talking to, you know, children. I'm very comfortable talking to everyone, talking to, you know, just like the fun old people next to you, you know, in line at the store, you know, that you can tell just like are just a little bit preoccupied with their thoughts today. I, I love it. Um, I think that the number one thing to do is to be curious and to show an honest, authentic um, openness. And if you're curious and open and just willing to be teachable, and I think that goes back to my whole thing around uh, humility. If you look at the root of humus and humble and human, 
they're all the same thing. And it's soil. It's that living component of the soil um, or the habitat for the living component of the soil. And it's open, it's rich, and it's open to be anything. I mean, if you think about like rich soil, you're like, hmm, the possibilities. And like, that's what we are. We actually, when we're humble, we are open. You can, we're, you can plant seeds in that, in that rich soil. You can grow. There's, there's this retention of, of water, right? You know, uh, we always talk about water as life. There's this ability to hold and capacity that comes with humility. And so I would, I would say approach everything with humble curiosity. And especially with, with uh, farmers, especially with people who are older. Um, and I would say, I mean, and in my mind, I feel like we're like trying to navigate with like the curmudgeonly old men that are the farmers, <laughs> potentially. Um, but at the same time, um, most of the women on the world, uh, I mean, most of the farmers in the world are women. <laughs> I gave it away. Um, but, and, and the reality is they, they're, they're not, given the time of day half of them then no one's listening to them uh, and sometimes their children are but sometimes they aren't and it's and to bring that level of respect um to those women um would not only validate you know all the hard work that they've done but but would be you know congruent with the way things should be um and and there and they would honor and respect that and and cherish that experience that you'd be bringing them um, more than than uh, a, a, a male you know can and especially a white male right in America can can really fathom um, I know that I can't know <laughs> how important it is um, to have that humble respect for for female farmers um, but yeah that's what I would say because I mean a lot of times we think of like that angry farmer and it's not a woman there's <laughs> not a woman in your mind when you're thinking about an angry um, farmer who's upset at permaculture and agroecology. It's not a woman. It just ain't. Um, that's a that's an older man, um, and and it's probably going to be older white man. Um, and the world is full of people that are not that doing amazing work um, and not getting any respect for it, not getting any 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 time of day. And a lot of these farmers are probably going to be featured, are probably going to be farmers that are going to be um, agroecologists all over the world that your students are going to be going to. And so, yeah, I would just say that. I would just say um, bring your humility and curiosity um, to every place you go, and it will open the hearts of not just curmudgeonly old farmers, but it will, it will show how much you care and how much honor you bring to those farmers that you're visiting. But even the people that are next to you in line, even your neighbor that, you know, you don't really know, those kind of relationships really build, build um, special, special bonds. So that's what I would say um, as my advice. <laughs> It's perfect. Uh, I, I, I think I, I couldn't imagine better for our conversation, Matt. 
I'm so... It's, it's really nice because, you know, I was thinking, oh my God, it's, it's uh, too bad that he's, he, he won't fly to France because it's flying and it's not good. And maybe I won't meet you in reality, well, may, maybe yes, in, in California, but already this, this uh, podcast, this recording will be a tool for students uh, be, before they, they have this experience. So it's, it's already a gift that you are making to the Traveling Agroecology School. Oh, well, I am more than happy to help and um, and we could do this again. We could actually have um, we could have a maybe a, a big conference call with all your students, and 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 talk about the experience and, and yeah. Especially when yeah, they want to think about the amazing. next step. The next step is is always the you know after those eight months you're on that emotional high, you've seen all these things and then you come home, maybe. Maybe we should yeah. have a meeting with them when they come home. I'd love that. Yes, it would be amazing. I'd love it. And um, yeah, I, 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 maybe one question for you, but you don't have to answer now. Maybe think about that because I really have to go. Mm. Um, and and I think it's a good question for you to to think about the next days. Uh, do, you, do you know projects in your, in your area uh, where students from France who, are, who will be agroecology experts, what, like, um, how students can help those projects with their talents and skills and what can they learn also there? Because maybe some students want to go to the United States, and and uh, and if you know some good project where they could go, uh, would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. We could talk about that later for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for being so patient with my schedule. <laughs> It's you, what you are doing is so nice. I mean, you, you have to focus sometimes and, and you can forget things that are not big projects, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Finding that balance. Well, I won't hold you any further, but have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for, for spending this time with me. Have, have a wonderful day. For me, it's time to... Uh, for dinner and, and go to bed because I go to bed before 10 o'clock every day. I would love it. <laughs> yeah. So we I, I, I'm looking forward to, to share this podcast with students and uh, and I, I hope we can talk again. Absolutely we will. Thank you very much. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation that we had. I certainly did. I felt like I got to revisit so many of the wonderful feelings, associations, ideas, and living patterns that are in the Unstoppable Enthusiasm book. And we also got to talk about agroecology, talk about education, talk about growth and empowerment, which is always a topic I love. 
And if you want to learn more about this, I've got some videos here on this YouTube channel. And if you want to learn more about agroecology, her program, check out Les Agronomes, and the link will be down below. And if you want to learn more about gardening or permaculture, I have free courses on thepermaculturestudent.com. If you'd like to join our community right now, the Advanced Permaculture Student Online, that is actually an incredible opportunity right now. Only $50 a month, and it's 50% off membership for people who are facing financial hardships or student scholarships or any kind of scholarship. The reality is right now, a lot of people need to know how to grow food, how to live in a way that's resilient, that's regenerative, that's ethical, so that we can have a regenerative recovery out of this recession that we're entering so that the mistakes of the past don't get repeated over and over again, which looks like we might be on track for that um, and with, with bailing out banks instead of bailing out the earth, instead of living regeneratively, making, making the steps to actually secure our future, secure the actual foundation for our civilizations. We're focused on numbers, we're focused on perception, and it's gonna cost us. So don't let it cost you. And start that garden, start that community, join that community, sign up for that, you know, that free course. And if you wanna download my book, The Permaculture Student 2, which is considered the best permaculture book by so many people, probably because it's peer reviewed, it's the only book and connected to the APSO program, the only North American accredited program and curriculum by a government body. So people can actually get credit for this. And it's, it, I mean, it's used in universities and colleges, high schools, all over the world. My work is in six different languages. Um, th that book has actually been translated into Swedish right now because there's so much you know, demand over there for real regenerative science. Now is the time, you know, we're here. We're here to help each other. And I'm, I, I've got all these free resources. So if you are wondering what to do next, get those resources, get, get all those things in place, put your garden and start. If you're looking for a community, if you're looking for experts feedback, join our community. It's only $50 a month. It's lifetime membership, it's a payment plan. You can do this, join us. We have the ability to help each other all over the world, give each other the information that we need to live better lives. And there's over 70 educators, not just me. Uh, we've got people from all walks of life, different ages, different cultures, uh, different uh, growing regions, bioregions, um, climates. We run the full gamut. Um, but that's really what community is, and a global community should represent all that, I believe. So that's there for you. Please go check that out, especially now in a time of uncertainty. Let's get some certainty there, and let's get some stability, some safety, and some resiliency in place, because the regenerative recovery, the regenerative recovery is what we're all about. And that's what we're heading towards. So let's get there. <laughs> I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. And I'll see you soon.